is Thrive Perspectives, an ever-growing discussion about the issues that shape our lives with your guides, Dr. Matthew Jacoby and DJ Payne. Matthew, a very wise man once said mm. that... Um, was it Jesus? No, no, it wasn't Jesus. Okay. Let's say it was a uh, some sort of vague... Was it, uh, was it Kierkegaard? <laughs> now let's go to India, right? Some some okay. some yeah. some Indian wise man. Let's yeah. get, let's paint that picture. Once said that uh, you know there was a group of blind people, yeah, and in in a in a pen in a yard there was mm. a majestic elephant. Mm. Yeah, I've heard this one. And uh, and and the blind people came in, and they were asked to describe the elephant. Now one what, what is it? Yeah. What is it? What is this thing? What is this thing? They had no concept of an elephant mm. because they're blind. You know, yeah. they have no idea. One man reaches and touches the stomach and says it is like a wall. Mm. One man reaches the, the trunk and says it's like a huge snake. Mm. One man reaches the tusk and says it's a like a spear or a hard rock, you know, you know, the type of thing. And then up on the balcony, looking on high is the, you know, what do you call him, the Raj, you know, standing up the top there and he says, you know, no, no, you know, you can't see the whole of it. You're all describing the one thing. Mm. I know that the elephant is, you know, you're all describing just parts of the one thing. And a lot of people would say, and that is what it's like with religions. You know, we are just, we're just mere mortals reaching out and, you know, describing one part of something that is bigger than what we can comprehend. And it's all just the one thing. Yeah, that's right. So the different religions, according to that uh, metaphor, yeah. and I've heard that before, uh, different religions are like one religion is like the guy grabbing the trunk and saying it's this, and the other religion is the guy grabbing the tail and yes. saying, no, no, it's this, yeah. and, and so forth and so forth. Uh, the one key problem with those that present that view of religion yeah is that they are taking the position of the Raj, looking down and seeing the whole thing and and being able to make that pronouncement. Yeah, yeah. So they uh, feel that they can stand outside, as it were, Mm -hmm. uh, the whole situation, look in and make this declaration. And that is preposterous. (laughs) Yeah, and the the other there's so many problems with that analogy, and I I wanted to start this episode with that tired, tired old analogy that I've heard many times growing up um, for a lot of different things, but usually around world religion. You know, Mm. world religions that we're all trying to describe one thing. There are many pathways. Your pathway will lead us to Mm. you know, like all you know, God. You know that that type of worldview. Well, the problem again, you've you've summed it up perfectly. Your worldview that you think you know more than these other world religions because you're just going to stand back and say yeah. that is is incredibly presumptive. Mm. But it's also in that analogy, well, we Christians or our fellow um, you know, you know human beings who are Buddhists or a Muslim or a Judaist, we've gone all around the elephant. We've mm. gone to like I've gone to next to yeah. if if this analogy is true, I've stood next to my Muslim friend yeah. who's holding on to the tusk yeah. and I've gone, "Well, let me feel." And I've felt, (laughs) then I've gone around to the tail and then I've got, so I have felt the whole thing because I've looked at all the other religions and I still go, no, no, (laughs) this is the, this is the right way. So I guess, so I guess what we want to do with this episode, Matt, uh, is is ask the question, and it's a sincere question that a lot of people have, 
And I think it grows out of a motivation of wanting to be nice mm. and wanting to be accepting and loving and tolerant. Yep. What about other religions, Matt? How, we as Christians, how dare we say that well, this is the only way? Why? I mean, they're sincere. I've got a friend who's a Buddhist and they are sincere and they love Jesus and they say nice things. And mm. how can I say? Yeah, well, uh, first of all, uh, yes, we should be accepting, loving, and tolerant. That doesn't mean that we can affirm uh, things that we uh, fundamentally uh, cannot agree with. Yeah. So, um, first of all, let's start a very broad, uh, very broadly. Um, the fact is, uh, there has never been a people group mm-hmm. who have not had some religious orientation now uh, some sense of uh, of the spiritual world let's say um, now uh, and you're talking about throughout the, the start th- of history known yep. history forever so all atheism, around the world yeah, atheism is a very modern sort of thing uh, and a very small like tiny, you know, as, yeah. as if you, oh, it's if, tiny, yeah. if you wanted to chart it in population of religion, if you made it another religion, like if you yeah. said this is another religion, atheism, or let's just say worldviews, yeah. you know, spiritual worldviews, as far as population or percentage wise, atheism around the world is yeah, a drop in the bucket. It really is, and it's a it's a relatively recent thing. Um, Charles, the Canadian philosopher Charles Taylor, in his book A Secular Age, points out that um, before the uh, so-called enlightenment in inverted commas um, the you know someone living in 1500 let alone all of the thousands and thousands and thousands of years before yes could never have conceived or, or would never have even thought that there may not be a god it was not even on the the, the idea that yes. there would not be a spiritual aspect to yeah. the world that there would not be a god it would not have even occurred to them to even doubt that yep. it was a matter of immediate you wouldn't even experience. ask the That's question right. yeah so what uh, charles taylor says is that something very unique has happened through quite an artificial process actually of us stepping back as it were from reality and kind of thinking that we can look in uh, treating reality as like an object that we can like the Raj, the Raj yeah, yeah standing up there and stand yeah. outside and he uh, talks about a, a a buffered this buffered kind of relationship that we have yep. to reality whereas um, people previously had what he refers to as a porous relationship uh, with with uh, with their environment and Por- then with the spiritual world now he's not I don't I don't think he's a Christian. I mean, he's describing that just as a philosopher, but porous like a sponge, porous. Yeah, that yeah type porous of like a sponge. That's right. So, and and he gives examples of, in particularly in uh, indigenous cultures, where there's you know probably a much higher degree of porousness. Yes, where people seem to have a, this constant, immediate sense of perception and connection with a kind of spiritual world. Now that also can be problematic because yes. they can live in fear and, and, and almost there can be a sense of oppression with that. Mm-hmm. Um, the answer uh, though isn't to just doubt or, or to just deny that the spiritual world is real. Yeah. Uh, of course we would say that the key is that they need to be d- delivered from that bondage and that fear. Yes. Uh, which is exactly what Jesus came to do. Um, but so it's. I think as a general, uh, generally, it's important for us to recognise that that um, atheism is a very 
modern thing and it's a tiny little percentage. I yeah. know it gets a lot of... Attention, media, attention. Yes, yes. Um, so, so really what, what the world's religions show is that um, we have as human beings an innate awareness of the spiritual world, of the spiritual aspect of existence, and of God as well. Yeah. Now, uh, of course, as Christians, and we're going to view this through the Christian worldview. That's what this um, show is all about. What we, uh, what we recognise is that, and what is pretty obvious, I think it's one of the most obvious uh, elements of the Christian worldview, is that something went wrong. Right? <laughs> something went really wrong. The world went awry. Uh, and we refer to that as the fall of mankind. It's been, in a sense, been <clears throat> one long, big fall. You know, yeah. it's like could speak of the falling of mankind That's, yeah. uh, ever since that um, that moment that is described in Genesis chapter three. So, what happens there is um, that uh, human beings uh, basically uh, fall away from God and end up refashioning, I guess, these these beliefs in ways that. Over, over time mm. um, in ways that allow them to uh, transact somehow with the spiritual world, kind of uh, de- have dealings with the spiritual world. Now, I want to make a connection here to an, the episode that we did a, a little while back yeah. on the spiritual world. Yeah. Um, now, you recall in that uh, episode, we, we looked at how there was this... Uh, these spiritual beings that God is not the only spiritual being. There are all yep. these other spiritual, the angelic, yeah, angelic beings, and that there was a, a fall, a rebellion of this in this spiritual world as well. Yep. And so, uh, these spiritual entities that which were, um, in a sense, um, in, I guess, had a hand in the uh, maintenance of God's order in the world. Yes. Um, uh, they too rebelled, and so, according to a this kind of spiritual w- worldview, mm. uh, biblical worldview, um, we can also interpret religions from the from that side of realities. Well, not just yes. from our side. So, um, what uh, one um, scholar, Daniel Strange, who talks about religions and accounts for a kind of theology of religions, he refers to. Re- to different religions as a sort of idolatrous refashioning of an originally innate divine, uh, you know, sense. Yes. Okay. Um, so that's from the human side. Yeah. Whereas from the Spirit- spiritual world side, one could say that actually there is a spiritual, a kind of demonic realm, these rebellious spiritual beings who are actually drawing, in a sense... Um, manipulating that innate desire yeah, within the manipulating human being. Yes. that innate desire but <clears throat> they're doing this because in a sense they want to be like God that's yep. the uh, they want to take the place they want to be gods in that sense okay yeah. so um, so that kind of accounts for that side of things as well it's also uh, when we read the Bible and it talks about the gods of the nations yes we can also I think fairly, quite fairly assume yep. that there are actually real spiritual entities behind these religious systems. Exactly. Yeah, which agree. is why they're often very uh, oppressive and mm-hmm. um, and uh, and don't lead people. It's often, you know, they lead people to fear and, and um, very onerous yep. and oppressive uh, systems. Now, 
straight away there'd be people if I've got you know there are Hindus out there or or Buddhist. a Buddhist list they would say no 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 that's uh, that's not not true and that's a conversation uh, that will I mean we'll get we'll move into that yeah uh, if we so, get so that's a, that sort of gives us a sort of a you know a, a, our Christian perspective of why yeah there is 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 multiple religions I think the other thing is as we to begin with we step back and we just you know again there's you know literally tens of thousands of religions that we can looking at yeah. but the major groups of it and this is a really interesting thing as well is when you step back and look at world religions and some of the conversations I've had with people who want to argue how do you know the right one or why is there so many religions or you know you Christians with your yeah. claim of truth yeah. Yeah. you know how yeah. how ridiculous is this because some of them will say well listen we know that the earliest recorded writings about religion yeah uh, usually around Hinduism. Yeah. I mean, Hinduism can trace its uh, history right back, you know, 5,000 years to the beginning of written civilization. Yeah. You know, you Christians, you just trace your origins back 2,000 years to the time of Christ, and we can say, well, we we, are, we stand on the back of the Jude, you know, yeah. the, you know yeah, the, that's right. the yeah. Jews. But even, even then they will say, well, their writings only go back maybe 2,000 years before Christ. Mm. The Hindus are way before that. Buddhism's not that far, you know, behind as well. You're, that's in that same region, but then the other, then there's another side of argument saying, "Well, oh, you guys got it all wrong. All these ancient religions wrong. It's the newer religions that are that are right." Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, Islam. You know, their mm. major claim is that Muhammad, you know, God, Allah came to Muhammad and said, "All of them have got it wrong. It's time for me to give you the right one." Yeah. And that was just fourteen hundred years ago. Yeah. Um, uh, Sikhism. Is five hundred years old. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You know, so there's all these different arguments about the ages and where they're from and cultural <laughs> yeah. different things. Yeah. Uh, the, How would you answer that? Well, the the age of the writings themselves isn't really the main thing because mm. a lot of these um, uh, a lot of these religions there's something problematic about the word religion. Yeah. I mean, it's difficult to even identify what it. What is it actually referring to? Because there are things that get called religion that, that, well, there are things grouped under that that it's hard to see what they have in common. Yes, but I, I would say I, I know what you're saying. It's one of those things like, well, and it's and it goes back to that thing yeah. where listen, well, the essence of all these religion worldviews are the same. You know, you all sort of have good things about God to say and everything like that, and it's sort of yeah. all the same. But I say, but I, then I turn around and go. You, it, you shouldn't. You can't even be grouping all of these things into the, into no, the one they're, category. They're actually so different. You almost yeah. so that's that's a little issue with the word religion. But but for example, in the um, the biblical tradition, before anything was written down, you've got a long oral tradition as well. Yes. Um, Hinduism is an interesting creature, and and again, let's I'll just say something about that because it's generally credited to have the old, oldest to be the oldest. Yeah. And it's interesting. Uh, creature because it it's it has retained all of the elements uh, it's like it's just kept adding it just kept building on and so you know you have thousands of gods for example so you get that initial and anthropologists talking about well what what you might refer to as animistic cultures um, uh, or in inverted commas primitive cultures they talk about the um, this sense of the spirit world and the attribution of divinity to 
uh, you know, to things and uh, but but a sense of uh, a sense of connection with a kind of spiritual world there. But it's very much local spirits. You know, yes. it's like uh, the spirits down at the river. Yes. Or the spirit in the tree yep. there, or the spirit, you know, uh, they talk about spirits and animals and, mm-hmm. you know, all sorts of things like that. And you can sort of see, again, look, looking at this through a biblical worldview with this idea of the fall. And I think really, I think one of the ways in which the biblical worldview actually um exhibits its superiority i would say is in its account of evil and the solution for it yes of, of evil and where things have get went where things went wrong, wrong. Yep. and the solution that's the big it's a big one Amen. okay so Amen. through through the lens of the biblical worldview uh that sees where things went wrong we can see that okay yes cuz see we're not saying oh that's all false we're saying no actually there are spirits yeah but th- these are demonic spirits that are deceptive mm. and that are kind of playing God yep. in this sense, you know. Yep. And so, so the idea of an evol- of this evolution of, you know, these, this, these spirits and this spirit there. And so you get this evolution of all of these different gods. Um, and then it's interesting within uh, Hinduism as, as you get um, this consciousness of, a very vague consciousness of an ultimate it, it seems to have been there from the start yes. but this consciousness of this sort of ultimate divinity that they refer to as brahman um but that is also identified with the natural world so you yeah. get this you know uh, you get this connection between i suppose that kind of animistic sense of attributing divinity to things yes. like the sun and the and the and the moon and the this tree or yep. or that mountain or something yes. uh so that kind of develops into this idea that there is this sense of something an ultimate god that's this innate sense but then this identify identifying um all of these things as sort of a kind of incarnation of that yeah. uh, god almost a, like a pantheistic type of yeah thing that's that right god so is... that's pantheism yeah. and then that and then that then you can say that all of these other gods are really just sort of avatars yes. of Brahman yep. and that even that we are actually uh, a sort of um, and, and within Hinduism there's, there are different schools of thought about whether we have true individuality or whether we are just um, aspects of Brahman yep. and, and to some extent Hindus would say yes we are aspects of Brahman but some would say no even when our soul leaves the body uh some Hindus would say uh, it just goes back into Brahman, whereas others would say, no, we, we retain we our individual identity. Anyway, there's some, but you can see uh, some difference there, but you can see how um, you can see how that could have evolved, even from a biblical worldview, looking and seeing how, okay, there's this vague sense of an ultimate God, but you can see how, and particularly in Romans chapter 1, where Paul says, you know, they worshipped and served created things yes. rather than the creator. Yeah. So there's this identification uh, of of um, of things, as, you know, of God with things. So, yeah. so, that's, so that's an interesting, I, I think Hinduism is one of the more interesting religions uh, religions i find in the way that it's the sort of multiplicity within it it gives it a kind of a snapshot of the 
evolution of sort of fallen humanity. Yeah. Uh, trying know, to work trying it out. to work it out because it's so ancient. Yeah, that's because right. It, yeah. Because it's so ancient. Now, now they would look. I mean, that they would say again. Um, no, actually, Hinduism is a is a wonderful path to to peace and 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 look. There there are aspects of uh, you know it's it's not all the, it's not all bad. There are aspects of Hinduism and and you know mental discipline and things that can uh, uh, like techniques that, yes. that can be you know are, are worthy. But there's actually <laughs> a much deeper problem yeah. with all of this because. Um, ultimately, Hinduism is also a classic example of human beings trying to save themselves. Oh. So it's very explicit that it shows a pathway to salvation, uh, but it's very, very difficult. And uh, and you know, ultimately, to escape the cycles of uh, of re- rebirth and reincarnation, um, I mean, you really have to become a a high level. Yeah. A spiritual person that yeah. you almost have to retreat from every. Just do that. It's it's the the the, it's, the funny conversation. Like I've heard, you know, and again, it, it comes up quite often, even to, even these days. You know, some really woke progressive people might say, "Listen, the problem with you Christians is that you, you know, nowhere in the Bible does it does it denounce slavery." You know, Paul never denounced slavery. You know, or what it, fill in the blank, whatever mm-hmm. the you know the thing that people want to complain again. And again, I don't want well, to get yeah. into that argument. I can see you, <laughs> Matt, wanting to argue about that. But the funny thing is, I once had a conversation around that um, with someone who had studied uh, really in depth Hinduism. Like, came yeah, out yeah. of it, and they were like, "You don't, you don't accuse us Hindus of that because our Hindu religion, like slavery and the caste system." And lower and thing yeah. is like for a lot of us, it's inbuilt into the universe. Like it's like something that's really important. But you only—it's funny—they only accuse Christians, you know, of other religions don't get the accusations that some of us Christians get. I think. No, that's, that's right. That's the yeah. point I was trying to make. Yeah. So, I mean, those these are some, and and of course, the one of the key steps towards salvation is this idea of duty in, in Sanskrit, it's the word dharma, uh, which is this idea that you uh, that you do your duty. In fact, um, the, the, probably the scripture of scriptures in Hinduism, uh, you've got the, the, the Vedas, um, you've got the Upanishads, which is the more philosophical kind of literature. Vedas are more po- poetic. Mm-hmm. And then you've got the, the Bhagavad Gita. And the Bhagavad Gita is really interesting. Um, in the way that it sets up this discussion between uh, uh, Krishna and um, Arjuna, who's Arjuna is a warrior and he's about to go into battle against some people who are kind of his kin, and 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 he doesn't want to. You know, he's yeah. lamenting all the bloodshed, and the, and Krishna is saying it's interesting because Krishna is saying, "No, you are a warrior. That's your. It's like your caste. Your yes. and and your." You must do your duty yeah. without any um, any view to consequences, or yeah. it's all about have, doing your duty. And, and that by duty, your dharma. Yeah, and that that concept of duty. Tell me if I'm wrong, Matt. But what I've understood in reading and researching and talking to people about it, that concept of duty is not just you know doing the best thing. It's like no, no. What were you born in to do? What is yeah. your what is your lot in life? Yeah. Do that. Yeah, that's right. You yeah. know, type of thing. Yeah. The the. Um, uh, Hindus would be quick to argue, though, um, that the concept of caste as you, you're born and you can't, you know, yep. you must do that and you're born that way and you can't move between castes, they would argue that that's a later, okay. uh, sort of a later 
addition. Development. Yep, yeah, yep, yep. I mean something that that uh, has really become part of the system. But uh, yeah, they would argue that that wasn't the original idea. The original idea was just uh, about an orderly society yeah. and everyone doing their duty. And they would have said that originally it was. Um, you know, that there was the possibility of moving between those. Anyway, yeah. so there's that, that's there's a debate uh, there going on there. Um, but the interesting thing is, um, when you know, been to India three times, um, uh, and with World Vision, and one of the things that the World Vision crew there recognise is that to pull people out of poverty, you have to change mindsets. And so you have to change a poverty mindset. And one of the key things that they recognize is that actually Hinduism set up uh, a kind of bondage actually over these people yeah. uh, because of the the sense of I've got to work out my, like I've got to save my, I've got to, um, uh, I've got to perform my dharma yeah. and, uh, and I've got to, um, you know, s- sort of stay where I am if I'm, and because they're, dealing with the lowest of the low yeah so there isn't you know there isn't much hope for in this life actually moving anywhere it's all about the next life and Mm. and so that for them was really a key blocker so one of the things that they have inevitably i mean i know we have this idea of like oh no just let people believe what they want to believe but actually what the what i learned from the world vision team is that it is actually impossible to lift these people out of poverty unless there's some challenging of their of those elements of their worldview now they 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 don't i mean they're going to be very careful how they do this Mm. um and and so they sort of erode some of those elements and, and almost in a practical sense, no, you can move up mm-hmm. and by, you know, they, they want to, um, you know, th- it's great the way that they do it because they invest in some key people who they feel like are are the up and comings that this person has the motivation to move up yeah. and they become uh, sort of in their community. Leaders, y- community leaders. leaders they yeah. become community leaders. People look to them and, and say, oh, they did it so I can do it too. Yeah. Um, so now before anybody begins, before, you know, the, the, the crowd chimes in and says, you white privileged <laughs> colonial evil human being coming over there. No, no. They're the, all, they were all locals. Exactly. Yeah, oh, that, all, that, that's the point. They, the they world, were, yeah. They were all locals doing the, that. Yeah. The world vision team comes out of the local areas. Yeah. It is people within their own communities yeah. dealing with yeah, this. Yeah, that's it's, right. So yeah. it was, you know, I mean, it was, it was interesting, interesting to see the difference uh, the, the you know this idea in the Christian worldview, which was completely countercultural when it was in, introduced uh, in the Christ, early Christian movement and introduced in the New Testament, the idea that all are equal: man, woman, uh, Jew, Gentile, slave, yep. free. Yep. It was completely countercultural. No one believed that at yep. the time. You know, exactly. so uh, I mean, in a sense. Not even some of the most um, uh, revered uh, sort of thinkers at the time. I mean, I mean Plato, for example, yeah. uh, has his Republic in Plato's Republic, basically a version of the caste system. He has three yes. castes. Yes, uh, you know the yeah. you know the um, uh, the producers. Uh, the the military caste and the leader caste, yeah. and so he, you know, he, so he's actually advocating something uh, that is pretty much uh, what we see there in the Hindu caste system. Yeah. So, so I think, um, 
so for example that and, and this that I think brings us to a really key difference um, uh, as we as we look at this is the case with Hinduism but it's the case pretty much across the board the key difference between Christianity and the other religions is this idea that um, that God has come to us and has secured our salvation mm. in the person of Jesus Christ yes and we don't have to earn it. We, ha- we must live it out and take hold of it and live in faith. So it's a choice. Do we want to live in this? But we don't have to earn this. We don't earn our own salvation. God saves us. And in a sense, we begin with the full love and favor of God. We begin that way. We don't win it, but yep. we begin. Um, that concept of grace, which is undeserved favor yeah. from God, undeserved favor most elsewhere in other religions and thought systems before christianity yeah. would have thought that was just absurd ridiculous the, idea yeah that concept the verse that we have it's completely that, unique to christianity the verse that we have in the bible in the new testament like why were we while we were yet sinners yeah christ died for us you know and we were loved and chosen before yeah you know we were even created that whole concept is like new that's a new mod, you know as far as you know when it comes to you know, the Judaic, you know, Christian concept that we've got out of there compared to other religions. Yeah. That's so foreign. Yeah, that's right. That's so foreign that, that this, this God would come to us and had chosen yep. us and wanted us. Yeah. Whereas a lot of the other religions is the striving, the groping, the hoping for enlightenment. If you follow these yep. things, you may get yep. enlightened yep. in this that's particular right. way. Yeah, that's right. Then, so if we go, so that's the oldest. Uh, let's go to to the the biggest, younger, which is uh, Islam. And yes. I think at some point um, we have plans to do a episode, yeah, um, dedicated to Islam. Dedicated to Islam. We're going to yeah. try and get uh, uh, an expert on that. Uh, Great a expert. colleague of mine at uh, Mel at the Melbourne School of Theology, which hopefully we can yeah. uh, we can get that happening. Um, uh, the thing with Islam uh, is that. Muhammad claims to be the ultimate prophet. So there's the an acknowledgement of Moses and Jesus of the you know the, of all, all the Moses a lot of the biblical prophet, yeah you know, a lot the, of biblical prophets acknowledges that's yep that's all but says but all of that went wrong including uh, including Christianity and so Muhammad is the uh, is the ultimate prophet. So yeah. uh, so you know Jesus in, in a sense is a is a sort of step in in uh, just to, toward Muhammad. Now, the problem, to, to me, there's a very sort of obvious um, problem with this when you compare Muhammad and Jesus. Yeah. And, um, uh, you know, and Muslims have, um, you know, the hadith, hadith the, the, the kind of life, which is the life of Muhammad, which is, you know, as Muhammad is held up as an example, uh, as well as the Quran, which is the uh, the laws. Uh, so... The problem here is when you compare, because we also would say that Jesus, we would say Jesus is the ultimate revelation of who God is and what God wants. Yes. <clears throat> now, I would, I would challenge, and I do challenge any any non-Christian person to read through the gospel and read the life and teaching of Jesus, and tell me, like, find find a criticism of yeah. this, like, yep. <clears throat> you know, because it's it's actually. Uh, 
there really is in fact I've, I, I often say it's very, I don't think you can read a gospel and it not impact you I mean you either, it can harden your heart or but there is something really amazing going on here yes in the life of teaching life and teaching of Jesus when however you look at the life of Muhammad you, I actually it's it's actually I find it quite uh, horrific in yes. many respects I mean yes. uh, you know the um, the bloodshed the I mean he was a military leader, uh, quite a ruthless military leader. Yep. Now, some people would say, ah, yes, but Moses didn't, you know, Moses invoted, in, invaded. Yes, yeah. but that was a necessary evil for the time. And we're not saying that Moses is the ultimate expression no. of, of what God wants and who God, who yep. God is. He's not our example that's to right. live by. Yes. That's right. So uh, the comparison has to be between Jesus yeah. uh, and, and Muhammad. Uh, you know, I mean, famously, Muhammad married a nine-year-old girl and yes. i mean so and had multiple wives had yeah. many 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 and, wives and look i mean it's just I, I just feel there's no there's just no comparison there so i think this is the this is the most obvious problem yeah. uh going on here um also i think the uh the fruits of um you know in in time in in terms of the uh what those systems have created yes you know the the early Christian movement uh, was, uh, re- but before it, you know, before it went wrong and started taking up the sword, yes, uh, which is basically the way that Islam spread pretty much at the point of the sword mm. in in the, those early periods. Uh, Christianity was really at the wrong end of the sword, yeah, under severe persecution. Practiced love your enemy, um, uh, pray for those who persecute you. Mm. And even under that persecution, uh, it spread in a very grassroots manner yep. and actually had an amazing positive effect in terms of uh, caring for the sick and the poor. And the, I mean, it, it, it created, uh, it infused a sort of conscience into society that wasn't really there before. Yep. Um, so in many respects, the because Islam and Christianity, you know, you, you can sort of... S- Historically, we can see those things growing side by side, yes. side by side. Uh, I think the problematic elements in Islam are highlighted in that comparison. In the history, yeah. In the history, if you go back. Um, all right, so we, you know, that's a that's a quick overview of a, of a couple of the big religions there from a Christian worldview. DJ here and sound the alarms. Fire off the fireworks. Get the crowds cheering because it's all happening. The Sons of Cora app is finally out. Yeah, that's right. Now, for some of you who are new to the Thrive family and you might be new 
to uh, Matthew Jacoby. You've known him here on the podcast as someone who's a uh, you know doctor of philosophy, a theologian and Bible scholar, someone who's passionate about God, but you might not be aware that he is also the lead singer and the guy behind the band Sons of Korah. Now, Sons of Korah has been an Australian Christian band putting the Psalms to music for about 25 years, maybe even a little bit over that now. And finally, the guys have got their own app out in the App Store. In the App Store for both iPhone and for your Androids, wherever you find your app, you can find uh, the Sons of Korah app there. If you're brand new to Sons of Korah, this is a great way and a free way to get your ears and your mind and your eyes across the music, the videos, even some of the writings from the group Sons of Korah. Now, uh, for free, you can get all these uh, you know, wonderful things. There's 25 years worth of music, and the music is fantastic. Uh, if you think Matt's good behind the microphone talking about Jesus and God, sometimes you need to hear him sing it as well. <laughs> but uh, if, you, uh, if you want to, and you're a supporter of Sons of Korah, this is a simple way that you can subscribe in the app to become a tangible supporter. Now, if you're anything like me, you love music and you love the music industry and you want to support the artists that mean a lot to you. And that's why I'm so excited that we can put this app out there so you can directly support the band Sons of Korah. You can go in for a quarterly subscription. It's really cost effective. And when you become a subscriber, you become a supporter of Sons of Korah, you get access to all of their music, a whole bunch of exclusive music videos, uh, blog entries, and coming very soon, we've got some more goodies coming for you in the the app for those supporters there. I'm super excited to let you know about this brand new app from Sons of Korra, and over the coming weeks, I'll let you know some more features about it, but you can find the links to the Sons of Korra app in the show notes. So if you head over to the show notes of the uh, of, of this particular episode, you'll find the links there. You'll also find the links at Sons of Korra, that's K-O-R-A-H, Sons of Korra, K-O-R-A-H.com. If you go to sonsofcora.com, you'll find the links there. Look, get in there, support. You might even see me over on the forums in there enjoying the app myself. Very excited. This is a great moment. And as someone who supports the ministries that we do, this is another way to to support the extended family, as it were. All right, that's enough from me. Let's get back into this Thrive Perspectives episode as we look at world religions. I think we were talking about the Islamic faith here on Thrive Perspectives. that we, we want to sort of fight against, and I've heard it even in the church, um, is the very worldly sort of, I would even say, you know, uh, you know, bourgeois type of attitude of, well, we're all, you know, it's all the same. It's a, it, it, you know, it was, as far as thinking goes, it's pluralism. It's, it's, it's basically yeah. saying, listen, you're just calling, this man calls it, calls him Allah, you call him God, this person called, it's all the same thing. We've gone back to the beginning yeah, of the illustration. Yeah. It's all the same thing, a real pluralism. Can that view 
can a pluralistic view of world religion stand at all in the light of scripture? No. The the short answer is no, it can't because um, uh, the the pluralist, see the big problem with the pluralist um, sort of thesis, again, is that you've got this, someone's got this outside view. They actually don't lead to the same, they really don't lead to the same place. I mean, you know, um, and, and there is, there is a, complete difference if indeed god the ultimate creator god has made a way of salvation um in jesus christ something that we couldn't achieve then the then we're not even saying anything like what the other religions are saying they're all saying this is how you can work your way to salvation yes christians are saying you can't do that yeah and and i would say that god is saying you can't do that uh, and I think it makes a lot of sense that we can't do that, that if it's going to happen, God has to do that. And he has done that in Jesus Christ. Yeah. But to me, the, the pluralistic thesis is it's just too general. It's, I, I think what, what it wants to acknowledge is that there is a sort of this kind of universal sense of God. Uh, well, I, okay, I, but what's the point of that? It, it, it almost, I, I mean, to make it a really bad analogy here, yep. but it's almost like someone saying, in, it, for me, there's a concept of food. Yeah. Well, all food is food. Yeah. So you're all the same. It doesn't matter if you're eating a onion or you're eating a, you know, a cake. It's all just food. Or, you know, all sport is sport. You know, or, you know, sport is a concept of sport. Or all sport is human beings striving to win a game. So yep. it doesn't matter if you're playing ping pong or you're playing rugby football, yep. it's all sport. It's a bad analogy, I know, but it's almost the same sort of mentality of saying, hey, religion is religion. It <coughs> yeah. doesn't really matter. Yeah. It's all the same. That's so- right. Yeah, I mean, it's even, it, it, it's almost, it's even more different to that, Yeah, I think, in the sense that, that they are literally trying to do quite different things. Yes. I mean... Well, no, they're, they're, they're trying to achieve, they're not trying to do different things, but they're, the, the ways in which they do it, because they're ultimately, there's a sense of trying to resolve this sense of conflict with God, mm-hmm. trying to fulfill the meaning of life, yes. in a sense, okay? Yep. Um, but the ways in which they do that are so, are so vastly different. Yeah. And, and I would suggest quite contradictory mm. um, that, they can't all be true. They just simply can't all be, uh, all be true, because of those vast differences. Um, now, what I'm not saying is that everything, everything that other you know, that they're wrong about everything. I think that's very important to to recognise. They're not wrong about everything. Now, this is where some people, some some of our beloved Christian friends, are going to really uh, stumble over this point. Yeah. They're going to say Matthew. How you can't say it's all about like you don't look into the Hindu faith mm. for any truth because there's no truth there. Don't look into the Buddhists for any writing. There's no you, you know whatever comes out of that is going to be tainted. Whatever comes out of other religions is going to be tainted. Don't go there. There's no truth there. It's all bad. Yeah. Well. Well. There's two. That's saying two things. What yeah. one is uh, you know. Do we encourage people to, you know, read the Upanishads or the Bhagavad Gita or or the, or the Buddhist writings? What I mean, you know, um, well, no, not not really. I mean, I, there's there's too much. I I think there's 
the mix of uh, th- there are truths there, but the foundation on which they built is is a uh, is an unreliable foundation. <laughs> yes, <laughs> this as yes. cautiously uh, as I can. So, so I, you know, I, I don't go encouraging people, the Christians, to do that. Yeah. Um, uh, but also, I, I, but I, you know, I've done a bit of that myself, and and I have found things. Um, for example, uh, you know, in 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 Buddhism, that uh, you know, descriptions of sort of uh, compassion or um, uh, our need to, I guess, show compassion. While I disagree with why, yes, I've appreciated the descriptions. I've appreciated the um, the sense of uh, discipline yes. and the need for mental discipline. Uh, I've got a lot, you know. I've, I, I've acknowledged. Yep, there's there's some good stuff there. Um, uh, by the way, Buddhism is an offshoot of Hinduism, yep. really. As yep. So that let's just map that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. so yeah, it's it's an offshoot of, of Hinduism. Born, yeah, born out of the India, like that hotbed of India region. There, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and then moving so, to, into into yeah. Asia. Now, I mean, I like. Um, so, for example, you know, there, there are lots of there are things that have come out of these traditions. Like, for example, uh, you know, yoga is is one that has come out, which is a, a form of sort of physical um, uh, worship, physical discipline. Well, it's um, depending on which what, yeah, what's strange it because it's been it's been secularized in yes. a sense, mm-hmm. uh, and this is where I mean, this is where you sort of need to be careful when you go to yoga class. The extent to which they buy into the religious aspects of it, you know what I mean? Because yeah. you can, in one one yoga class, uh, uh, you know, you can it can just be it's just an it's a stretching it's yeah. a stretching class, and it's actually a good exercises, yeah. and there you know it's a long tradition of that, and it's you know it's it's good, and then uh, and and yet then you'll have another one where you where you're chanting and doing all sorts of other things. Yeah. So I think you've got to be careful uh, there. Um, the, the other thing, so that's yoga. I mean, that's come out of that. So what I'm saying is that there's some good stuff there. Yes. But there's a lot of other stuff that can be mixed in with it that's problematic. Yep. Then another example is meditation, the med- you know, mental uh, discipline. Now, this isn't unique to um, to Hinduism. I believe there's there's a really legitimate Christian form of med- meditation being still uh, so forth. It's a massive part of the Christian tradition. Yes. Going back to the early monastic traditions yep. and so forth. Um, uh, but of course, um, you know, mindfulness, as, as we now know is it in our sec- culture, is a yeah, secular uh, which was which was um, popularized in uh, back uh, some decades ago in John Cabot Zim's "Wherever You Go, There You Are." I think that was the name of the book. Mm. Can't remember the name. I did read the book, but I, I, uh, anyway, I mean, he, uh, John Cabot Zim makes the uh, argument that well. Um, a mindfulness is, you know, is something that anyone of any belief can mm. can practice. And there's, you know, yes, in some sense, and yet, um, there's there's a few issues there. Yes. Th- there can be issues there as well, particularly because um, one of the 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 ideas that that I, I guess is at the foundation of that is this idea of um, the human soul or the atman. Um, uh, recognizing that there is no self, mm. it's like the emptying of yourself. Yeah. It's um, it's like the dissolution of the complete dissolution 
of 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 the self of yeah. your and becoming one with brahman in, in the sense that you that your individuality is completely lost yeah. not an individualism i you know let's yeah. get rid of sort of a um, modern you know lifestyle individualism i'm talking individuality yes. which is something that is affirmed in the biblical worldview yes that we are we are individuals. And now I said that there is a stream in Hinduism that still wants to hold on to an element of uh, individuality. Yeah. Um, uh, but mindfulness in its original form had this idea of the dissolution of the individual identity. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the becoming of n- nothing. And, you know, the, the, the sense is like th- there's always legitimate aspects to this because there is a sense in which, because I, I, I do... Um, uh, I do uh, part of a big part of my prayer life is sitting still, and in a sense, sitting in my need for God. Yeah. Now it's not I'm not emptying. So well, well I am. Of, I'm I'm that there is a kind of emptying, but with a view to filling, being filled with the Spirit of God yes. and being filled with a sense of um, of my need for God, being filled with a sense of my God given identity. You yeah. Know, so uh, yeah. it's. Uh, it's it's a different kind of thing, and yet there's still a sense of, of sort of a sense of becoming nothing. And this is where this is where I sense that there's an intuitive thing uh, in in, in the original religions. form of of this idea of uh, Atman becoming Bra- Brahman, and uh, there is this sense that there's something false about our identity. Yeah. You know, so but what they do is they get rid of the whole thing, yes, and deny completely that there is an identity. Yeah. Uh, Instead of saying be, because they don't have they don't have the the sort of infrastructure, the kind of worldview infrastructure that includes the idea of a fall. Yeah. Um, and says your identity, you do have identity. It's really broken. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you've got sin to deal with. You know, there's, yeah. there's, you know, you know, and it goes. It, the original sin traces right back to this. Yeah, that's right. There's an answer here, and God wants to meet you yeah, in this. That's right. Yeah. So what? So, so in a sense, a lot of this comes out of valid intuition. Yeah. This intuition that there's something I've got to get rid of. Okay. And and when I, you know, as I sit before God, and 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 you know, for me, it's it's like you know, talk about being porous before. It's it's about me becoming porous yes. like a sponge yep and uh and i i as i sit still with god it's like a sponge when you sit it on top of the on top of water it just sits there it floats for a while but gradually it draws up the water yeah. and it sinks in and, and it it becomes weighty with the with yeah. the with the water and and and, and yet it floats weightlessly and i yeah. that's a, I, that is what i feel like mm. um this sense of waiting on and being filled with the holy spirit and and sitting in my absolute need of god it's like i'm a black hole of need that draws uh the the reality of yeah. uh, and and the the presence of god and and I, and so so I get the idea of becoming nothing in, yes. in a sense. So it's it's like I connect with that, but it's like oh yeah, you you kind of, and this is this is the thing. <laughs> there's there's enough truth in these religions. Like it's so in, it, it's intuitively true in a sense, and, th- and this which is, is why it's so powerful. And this that's a really important part, Matt. Here, especially for us who've been raised Christians and raised knowing the truth and we've got a solid understanding of the of the, of the scripture and, tr- and and you know the correct way of thinking mm. we can sometimes come across and I, I want to be careful how I say this and I think you've really painted a beautiful way of doing it yeah we can come across really arrogant 
yeah. and saying, well, it's wrong. You know, don't yeah. think it's like, well, hang on a minute. You have to be able to be human enough to say, I understand yeah, where you're... much more nuanced, yeah. There's something there that you're reaching out to. Yeah. Find out why... You're, you're going to be much more effective if you're talking to someone who's of a different religion. Find out why and what makes it beautiful for them and what, what they yeah. enjoy out of it. Yeah. And if you can speak to that and bring Jesus to that, yeah. you're really going to... You know, that's I th- right. You know, yeah. yeah, and that's actually a good segue to where I, what, what I think we need to talk about is our our response to other religions, yes. and because you know we we see Paul, for example, in um, Acts seventeen, encounter Greek religion. Yeah, talk about polytheism and yeah. all the different gods, and 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 a sense of a even an unknown ultimate god. Yeah. And he encounters this and he works with that. Mm. In a sense, he affirms that. You're very religious people. Um, so they're not wrong about everything. Yeah. And and again, I think this is an important view. I often say um, other religions aren't wrong about everything. They're just irrelevant to the main thing. Yeah. And the main thing is how that there has been a fall. And I think the biblical story accounts best for the way things are. Yes. Um, there has been a fall. We have fallen away from God. We cannot save ourselves. Uh, God evil, needs to save us, evil. and He has. Yeah. He has in Jesus Christ. And so, um, so you know, it's it's not that they're it's not they're wrong about everything. It's yeah. just they're relevant to them. They're irrelevant to the main thing, which is uh, which is giving me grace. The, the grace of God. Now, I mean, other religions speak about grace in a slightly different sense. Yes. I mean grace in the sense of the undeserved favor of God given to me in Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. So um, so I think that's important, that, that nuance. To, other, otherwise, honestly, we, we, we are to... If you invalidate everything in what another, you've, another person is saying, you've got no platform to build on. Actually, the beauty is that there is a lot of an intuitive reaching out for something. There is something that we That's see it. this Paul demonstrating this and building a bridge from the valid elements of that Greek kind well, to, of worldview and, and if, and to and the and biblical faith. And to build on that, what you're saying when you're invalidating, I've done this in, in the past mm. where I've been really headstrong in my Christian faith and what the Bible says, and you invalidate what this person believes, well, you're invalidating them. Yeah. You're basically saying everything you've put your hope and yeah. trust in is is, and we want to get there. We want to, we want them, to, we want the Lord to bring them to a place yeah. where they can say this was, this is wrong, and and Jesus is the way. Yeah. But you're not going to do that by just slashing it down. Most of the time, you're not going to do that by just slashing it all down because you're really slashing down yeah. a, a large part of who they are. Yeah. Um. So as as you know, so as Christians living in the world today and having friends who have all these different types of religious worldviews mm. and different religions and, you know, diversity in our culture and stuff like that. What, what, what's the, what's the view? I mean, we've said yep. pluralism is wrong as in yep. saying, Hey, it's all pointing to God. Yep. Well, that doesn't fit yep. right. That's okay. not right. So what is the right view? So, so there are two within evangelical circles and, and pluralism is, is something that you'll find in like some, what, what I would call liberal Christians would advocate that. Now, liberal really Christians are the, uh, kind of, uh, it's a bit of a make it up yourself yes. approach. Yep. Sort of, I'm a Christian because I'm sort of into Jesus, but I'll sort of define who Jesus is. And yep. and, and it's not, you know, whereas I, what I'm just, 
you know, describing as uh, evangelical Christianity, in, apart from all the political connotations when you say that these days, yeah. I'm talking about ba- those that base their beliefs basically on biblical foundations. Yes. Okay. So uh, there are basically two different approaches and, and some sort of slight differences within these. There's what you would call an inclusivist approach and an and exclusivist approach. Okay. Um, the exclusivist approach, maybe we'll start there. The exclusivist approach says that um, there is... Uh, people cannot be saved... Um, now, actually, let, let's 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 start with inclusivism. Okay. okay, we'll do that one. The idea of inclusivism is recognizing that religions, the other faith systems, that there is a sense of because of there are elements in tr- of truth in that. Yes, that um, that there is there is a kind of preparatory role in a sense that they can play. There's a sense in which Christianity fulfills. The, the key aspirations okay. in those religious systems. Okay? Yes, yes. Um, and that uh, even even in cases, an inclusivist would say, let's say you've got someone in, in a, a culture in uh, somewhere where the gospel has never gone there and they're, I don't know, a, a Hindu or a, whatever. Yep. And... Um, like the, the inclusivist wants to allow for the fact that God can operate in their life, even uh, perhaps even despite, perhaps through the valid elements of their faith and perhaps despite the invalid and yes. the problematic elements, that, that God can still save that person based on what Jesus Christ has done. So th- they can yes. only be saved because... Jesus Christ has made it possible for a holy God to save sinful human beings. But they can, so even if they haven't explicitly heard about Jesus, you know, it's it's allowing for the fact, you know what, God is, he can still, um, so the, he can the, still so in this story, save that person. Yeah, so in this story, the Hindu person is, you know, who has never heard the gospel, yeah. you know, this is, you know, whatever, thousands of years ago or yeah. even today in a, in a remote region. They've never heard about Jesus Christ. They don't know anything about any other religion other than theirs, but they believe that there is a God. They believe that the God is yeah. loving. They believe that God has provided everything. Yeah. You know, there's a real naturalistic yeah. worldview yeah. type of thing. And they have come through, as we, with a lot of asterisks, yeah. the good parts of their religion yeah. has woken them up to the fact that they can't save themselves and they have to rely on, on this God, yeah. whatever they call in the a general God, sense, yeah. to to somehow save them in the afterlife. Now, the inclusive person yeah. says, "Well, God's not going to ignore that heart." Yeah. Well, and, and it's more it's more al- allowing for the sovereignty of God. Yes. That in the sovereignty of God, you know, we we don't want to limit what God will do. You know, we don't want to put limitations God's the ultimate around judge. Yeah, God, because God yeah, will people judge. say, "Well, what about the person who's never ever, you know, never ever hurt?" I mean, we, for, you know what. What about the child that yes. is is uh, the stillborn child, yes. or the you know, um, and the inclusivist wants to say that that they that God can save them because of what Jesus Christ has done. Whether you know, and it's not under it's not um, discounting the importance of people uh, hearing the gospel. Yes, because people need to be people need to be delivered and and delivered from 
the deceptive elements. Okay. Uh, people need uh, the salvation of Jesus Christ so that they can believe in Christ and be saved. Okay. okay. So there's still an imperative there, right? Because there's still this sense that people are in bondage to these these false systems yes. and need to be delivered from that. Okay. Yep. And, and ultimately are in bondage to sin. Okay. And through Jesus Christ can be set th- free through the preaching of the gospel. Okay. So there's still, so inclusive is still, uh, there's still a, an urgency there so uh, in, in inclusivism, but they just, the point is they just want to al- allow um, for the fact that God, where there hasn't been that, uh, where the gospel hasn't reached there yet, or where that you know what, uh, God because of what Jesus Christ, God is sovereign and He can still save those people. Yes, um, you know. Um, now I think uh, that that would be probably the uh, the majority view. Um, yeah. th- there is there is a there is a a form of inclusivism that is a that is more um, there's a sort of a cautious end. Um, and then there's a universal, yeah, yeah, and, the universe. there, and there's something that's a bit closer to a universal, yeah, kind of universal end where, where you know, on on one end you'd have people say, "Oh no, no, actually, if those people faithfully follow that religion, they'll be saved." Yeah, uh, it's like you know, Karl Rahner, the Catholic theologian, for example, uh, you know, was a proponent of, of that view. It's like that's that's kind of problematic. Mm. Um, but then you then you've got a cautious, you know cautious end you know for example c.s lewis would yes. be uh would be at that end so you know that that's probably you know um it's probably a fairly majority view that one then you've got what's known as an exclusivist position and the exclusive okay, so that was inclusive that was what in, we were just in, yeah inclusive yep. oh by the way there's there's an important um uh, form of inclusivism because it's a bit of a spectrum known as particularism. Okay, I was getting. I know it's getting. We're going to fracture down, but, but it, it's it's like a it's a nuanced it's a sort of nuanced form of okay. this. It's a a qualifier that's made actually by uh, Alistair McGrath, uh, the, the a theologian Alistair McGrath, who points out that really we need to recognise that the di- the absolute the the differences in religion and recognize the particularity of Jesus Christ so yes. so he's doing that to really nail it to the the cautious end and away yes. from the universal end okay so so that's he, uh, McGrath's particularism the point that he makes there has been great because it's really nailed yeah. uh, it it I think it's um, highlighted the importance of the the cautious end okay. of inclusi- inclusivism okay yep. and a sort of set a, pl- a solid place there. Where, okay. where I, I think that's the end. We certainly want to be on, on yep. that end. Uh, exclusivism, because we've talked about inclusivism yes. in its slightly different forms. Yes, Exclusivism is the view that uh, no one can be saved except through an explicit uh, knowledge of Jesus Christ. Yeah. So, um, so they would say that uh, unless you actually confess with your mouth yeah. Jesus Christ, and believe in your heart. I mean, the Bible says then you will be, again, inclusivists would say, but that doesn't mean that that doesn't shut the door on other yes. things that God may want to do. Uh, but they would say, no, unless you, unless you do that, yeah. uh, you cannot be, you cannot be saved at all. So there is, um, so in a sense, both, uh, both the inclusivist and the exclusivist are saying there is one way to salvation. Pluralism is saying there are many ways to salvation. Yes. Okay. Inclusivists and exclusivists are saying there's one way to salvation. 
uh, and it is, th- it is Jesus yeah, Christ. That's right. Exclusivists say that no one can be saved unless they have heard and understood the gospel and confess that Jesus is Lord. Yes. Okay. Um, uh, whereas inclusivists would say, yes, that's really, you know, that's there's a real urgency around that, but we just want to allow for the fact that God may save th- people through the mechanisms even of the valid elements of other religions, yep. um, uh, working with what they have, yep. you know, uh, it, it, if, it, it, when they've never heard, you know, yeah, they've never had an opportunity. Let's give let's give one of DJ's really bad analogies here okay. to, to wrap it up, and you can we can yep. correct it as we go. Um, we as Christians with a Christian worldview would say, well, let's start with the with the, the, the pluralistic worldview. Many okay. religions, there's many doors. Yeah, all the doors are different religions. Yeah. And all of those doors, once you open those doors, you know what? It leads to the same ocean. It leads to the yeah. same place in the sky. That's the pluralistic worldview, mm-hmm. you know, the, the doors of the religion. We as Christians say there's only one door, and that door is Jesus Christ and what he's done on the cross. There's many ways to get to that one door. You can get yeah. to that door for uh, many different pathways will lead you to that door, and you can open that door, but mm-hmm. it's the door of Jesus Christ. The inclusive, let me see if, see yeah, if yeah. I've got this one. The inclusive person might come to that door by accident or by desiring to, f- to have a concept that there is such a door, doesn't know the word Jesus Christ, doesn't yeah. know the concept, you know, doesn't know the word, but has a concept of this and, and stumbles through that door. The exclusivist says, no, no, unless you can understand the, 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 the language of the door and what the door represents, you can't walk through it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I think... Is that a bad analogy? No, no, no. I, I think there's, there is, yeah. I think that's good. Okay. Uh, see, I keep thinking of complexity in all the ways that I want to. You want to sort of footnote that, but I think that's, uh, I think that's basically right. And a, and a, and a big part of this, I remember when I was at Bible College, we had big discussions about this, <laughs> yeah. because I had uh, my Old Testament lecturer was a hardcore. Like way far end, yeah. exclusivist, yeah. to the point where he would say, "Any his classic line." We had an argument one day in in yeah. in class because I knew where he was he was going, and, and we ended up having this argument. And these students all got involved. It was pretty funny. He ended up saying, "Because I was arguing for a, a, a mild inclusive, yeah, you know that God yeah, is yeah. judge, yeah." And it came down to the innocent of the children of ch- innocence of children. Yeah. And his famous line in that class was, "If what you're saying is true, we Christians should be marching on the front line of abo- of pro-abortion rallies. Abortion is the greatest way to God. If you are truly an inclusivist, you know, type of thing." And 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 that was where the class melted down. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, type of thing. But that's how extreme he was in the way that he thought, yeah. black and white like that. Yeah. Because I was arguing, no, no, the innocent would go to heaven. We see we see that. I believe we see that in Scripture. Um, I believe that at a, whatever that age of innocence that God decides that, you know, that person is, mm. is you know, is guilty yeah. is different for every person, yeah. you know, all that type of stuff. And he he would have none of it. It was black and white in his world. Unless you name the name of Jesus Christ and you understood what he did for you on the cross, you will not enter heaven. Yeah, 
And and I think the problem there is is just limiting what and how God will do things. Like I, you know, I've heard stories of of people having visions of Jesus that never had never even heard was. about. Yes, yes, you know, and um and yet Jesus appears to them, and and uh, I mean, God, like God can, like oh, ideally, you know, God has ordained that they should hear, you know, and that, that you know, the spread of the gospel through. Uh, we are responsible for that, and there's yes. a, there, and let's not um, downplay the urgency of that. Yes. Right, there is a real urgency for that. Okay, um, uh, but we we need to, I guess, allow for the fact that you know God is God, and and let's not draw sort of these these. Let's not box God into a certain way of doing things. Amen. E- even though you know, even though there is, you know, it's clearly. We're clearly told this. We need to make disciples. We need to, uh, yep. you know, the, the gospel, good news needs to go out. Uh, that's not that's not to limit God in in any way. And so I yep. think I think that's the point of wisdom there. So, you know, it's it's a fine point, but it's an important point. And look, I think overall, um, the the phenomena of re- religion, I find it a, a really interesting phenomenon. I think uh, just as a sort of a closing uh, thought, I think it it. The prevalence of that worldwide, for me, as I experience it, and I've wherever I've travelled and I experience this, it it highlights to me that there is something so real behind this. Now, it can be real, insidious, real behind those, you know, the various gods or whatever. But there's there's a real spiritual reality, uh, you know, behind this, and and as I read some of the sacred scriptures and and I think wow there is this there is this deep consciousness in human beings albeit distorted of of God and of things not being right and of things being you know needing to be made right and um and it it highlights the reality for me of the truth but it also highlights the reality of the problem and the way that human beings feel that problem and and I and I have experienced um, a, an amazing state of peace from that problem, from that nagging guilt, that inner conflict, that sense that something's not right between me and God, uh, a peace from needing to strive to achieve that. And I found that in Jesus Christ. If without Jesus Christ, all we have is striving, conflict, I've got to do it. I can never be assured. Uh, or a distant God out there somewhere. In Jesus Christ, God comes to us. He takes hold of us. He saves us. And all we need to do is entrust ourselves into his hands. That's faith. That's what it means to believe in Jesus Christ, is entrust yourself to him and walk with him. And we can live in peace and I find religious systems are ultimately made to compensate for the absence of God and that sense of conflict with God, which is why in some senses I don't think of what I observe as a religion. Um, This is my relationship with God. Now, of course, there's an institutionalized element to this because as soon as you people need to get to, you know, it's a a community thing and so there's an organized element to that. Um, But ultimately, it's about our relationship with God, a family of God's children relating to God the Father through Jesus Christ. That is the most wonderful experience. 
I've ever had and it's open for everyone. Thanks for listening to Thrive Perspectives. We want to hear from you, so send us your big questions and ideas. Our home on the internet is thrivetoday.tv. You can contact us, download other shows, see all of our resources and much, much more at our website, thrivetoday.tv. The Thrive Today Network is on Facebook. Our Facebook page and links to our community groups are waiting for you. Just search and like Thrive Today page in Facebook now. Visiting the website, ratethispodcast.com slash Thrive Perspectives really helps us reach more people. So head to ratethispodcast.com slash Thrive Perspectives. We hope that these shows will challenge you to look at life from a new perspective and thrive. This was another DJP.FM production.